Lord, you are good. We just sang about it. We're going to see it. Um, Lord, we're trusting in your goodness. And, and right now, we need to hear from you, not from me. It's from the power of your spirit, the power of your word. Lord, that we would all come face to face with you. You would speak to our hearts. We would see you. We would hear you. We would respond to you. You have so much for us. And, and Lord, we have spent too much of our days missing out, missing out on you, missing out on your best for us. And that ends now by your mercy. Move in this place. Move in this time. For your glory and your glory alone in Jesus' people said, amen. Okay, I am so excited, so excited. We've been looking forward to planning for and praying for this week for quite some time. This is the first week of our new series called I Need Us. I Need Us, rediscovering the church. And look, this is going to be huge huge. It's not only huge in its scope, it's going to go on right until just before Easter, but this is going to be huge in our lives and in the church. In fact, when you, if you hang with us through this, if you listen to the instruction of the Lord speaking to you in his word, in his spirit, if we are faithful to this, you are going to describe your life and your understanding and experience of church as before this and after this. Okay, that is how huge this is going to be, and I'm so glad. Um, So we're going to be talking about church and church when we say the word. I mean, if you're honest and you have any friends, you know that when you say that word, a lot of memories and a lot of stereotypes and a lot of thoughts and feelings and regrets and hopes and all kinds of things come to the surface. And not all of them good, not all of them good, but... But what if church is far more beautiful, powerful, and sacred than you and I have ever imagined? What if church is one of the greatest unopened gifts that the people of God have been given? And we just don't know it, so we don't receive it, and we don't enjoy it. What if church was never meant to be a place to go, but it was meant to be a unique thriving, tangible experience of Jesus? What if church was meant to be the ongoing incarnation, the ongoing putting on skin of Jesus himself, the group hug of God, and the transformation that explodes from that supernatural embrace? It is that, and more, and more, and more. And when you and I rediscover church when you and I realize how much we need him and how much I need us then our lives and our community and our university will never ever be the same again that's why I'm excited about this but I am not so into church I'm kind of spiritual I'm not so into church and and I hear uh, a lot of my friends um, think that way not so into church, and, and I agree with them. I say, yeah, look, um, tell me about the kind of church that you're not so into, and I bet that I'm not into that kind of church either. I'll go further and say this. I would imagine in most cases Jesus is not into that kind of church. 
And how, how can I say that? How can I say that? Because very few of us have ever truly experienced for any length of time, more than in just glimpses, this true biblical model of what church could or should or can be. That Jesus has dreamt for us. That he has planned for us. That he is prompting us to be part of. And uh, if you have ever felt like, you know, I need a break from church. Like, I read a statistic in, in college, I think, uh, of churched kids in high school. 65% of them say that they have taken a break from church of a year or longer. Right? And adults, we do that all the time, right? I need a break. If you are doing that, it's, it's because you and I don't know and we haven't experienced the beauty of what church is supposed to be. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about uh, being knit together with Jesus together. Okay? And that's what we're exploring. Right? And how do I know that is the case? Because you and I have never said, I think I need to take a break from oxygen. I think I need to take a break from sleep. I think I need to take a break from, from food. I, well, some of you say that. I think I need to take a break from being loved. You don't because you know you need it. And, and here's the thing with, with church and as the way Jesus planted. We don't know. We don't know we need it. We don't know that I need us, that that was part of God's plan, right? So um, some of us, have been part of lots of churches. Some of you have been part of every church in this town. Let's be honest. You have, right? And you may or may not have experienced it, maybe in glimpses. But, but I, am, I am so delighted. I want, I want us all to have this holy discontent with normal church, right? This spiritual, beautiful dissatisfaction with status quo um, spiritual community. And not just stop there, that we would press in to say, Lord, I want to know you and experience you in and through the church as the church in a way that, that a lot of people talk about. But I don't know many who ever experience it. That's, that's, our, that's our goal. So, so here we're going to go. Um, we're going to take a look at the first time that Jesus ever mentioned church in Scripture. But before we do, do you know what church means? You know, the word church means called out ones, right? His called out people. People called out of death and into life. People called out of darkness and into light. People called out of despair and into hope. People called out of shame and condemnation and into forgiveness and, and righteousness, right? Not because we're better, but because we've heard and and responded, and, and so he, he calls us out, and he calls us together, closer and closer to him, closer and closer to each other, and the closer and closer we grow to each other, closer and closer to him, and when that happens, watch out, watch out, that's what church means, called out, and if you need to be called out, know he's calling out to you to be called out. So this is the first time that Jesus mentions church in Scripture. It's Matthew chapter 16. And he, we're talking about Jesus, said to them, to his boys, right? He's having this conversation with his disciples. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, right? He's always got to be the first to speak. 
Right? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And on your worksheet, I want you to, I want you to circle that statement. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's saying, Jesus, you are the promised one. You are the savior. More than that, this is the foundation of the church. Those who confess with their mouths, believe in their hearts that Jesus is the savior, the son of the living God. Now, um, I just want to ask, is there anybody here, and, and you don't have to out yourself, I'm just talking to you, who has not crossed that spiritual line, um, that he is not just the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior, he is mine. He is mine. I have received him as Lord and Savior. I have given him all my sin. I have received by gift his righteousness. I have hope. He is my only hope. If you have not done that, Joy is on the other side. Life is on the other side. Light is on the other side. Forgiveness is on. Your purpose is on the other side. I encourage you to make that your mission statement. You do that. That's the church right there. And so Jesus goes on after Simon says this. It says, answer, blessed are you, Simon, that's Peter, bar Jonah, which means son of Jonah. Blessed are you for flesh and blood. People have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. This is supernatural. And he goes on and he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, what you just professed, I will build my church. Circle that on your worksheets. I will build my church. Not each word, just the whole phrase. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Boom. There it is, right there. I am building a people of called out ones into, into a holy temple in which I will dwell. We're going to get into that in future weeks. I'm going to try not to preach the whole series this morning, but I'm just too excited about it, right? But even if the purposes of this group of people who I indwell and empower, even if all the forces of darkness and hell come against them, they will fall because my purpose and my plan and my people will succeed because I'm building it. It's all about him. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Here's something we need to get. We need to get, get, get. Jesus is still building his unstoppable, eternal church. And he wants to use you to do it. Jesus isn't done building his church. That pro proclamation, he says, I will. He is still doing it. And he will do it until the day when he returns. So that more and more people can be called out and called together in him and with each other into the life that he has called us to live. Into the joy that he has called us to experience. Into the hope. Into the forgiveness. Into the glory. That's what, and, and if you're saying I'm on the outside looking in, you don't have to be. You are not disqualified. If you have heard the call, you respond to it. That's it. Right? You're good. So. This is what we're talking about. Is a stoppable eternal church. Do you know that of the institutions that exist today, like your job, your job is not going to last forever. For some of you, your job is not going to last this week, but that's a different question, right? Your company that you work for is not going to No company in the world, Amazon, Google, Tesla, uh, whatever you got, right, is not going to exist forever. Your 
marriage, your family as it is structured now. No earthly human government. This country is not going to last forever. Read the book. God's people, God's church lasts eternally. If we realize that this is the institution, this is the mojo, this is the relationship that is going to last forever, how much should we invest in it? How much should we commit to it? How much should we commit to him? And I'm not talking about being in here all the time. Like, enough, right? Enough. Nobody is overdoing it here. Believe me. Okay, but we're talking about being the church. So this message is called His Dream, Jesus' Dream, and Our Drift. Okay, so let's take a look at Jesus' dream, right, for the church. I'm going to have to start printing this, like, in, like, or go see Dr. Dave, because I have to keep taking my glasses off to read this. It's actually a prayer. Okay, the night before Jesus uh, gave himself on the cross in our place as our substitute for our sins, he, he prayed for you. I, I don't know if you realize this, but he, but he prayed for you. And he prayed for me, he prayed for us, and we're going to listen in on his uh, conversation with his father uh, in heaven, right? Um, it, it's in uh, John chapter 17. Here we go. He says this. He says this. I do not ask for only these, uh, only these followers that he had right then, right? I don't ask for only these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Did you see that? He's praying for you. He's, he's praying for you, and he's praying for you, and he's praying for you, and he's praying for me. Everybody who would believe because of the earliest believers, because of, of the word of God that they were faithful to, to transcribe, that, that all of us, he's, he's praying for us, he's praying for us, um, that they may all be one. And I want you to circle on your notes, may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Circle may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you get that? Did you get that? When you and I are one in God, are one in Christ, when we're in him and he's in us and we are one together, then the world will believe that Jesus sent him. Our unity, our love with, for him and each other, that is, I know the Heimlich. Can I help you? Are you good? Okay, you're good. Because I'm not a doctor, but I did one semester of pre-vet. So he is a doctor. That's why I'm giving him a hard time. Um, you just got to relax with me because it gets really intense. You guys get really intense. I want you to take a look at this. What did Jesus say would make others believe when they see the unexplainable, astounding love that draws us all together as one body, his body, loving Jesus and each other in an astounding, stupid way? I mean, crazy love. Costly love that they have never seen anywhere else. I have never experienced that except in glimpses. 
Can you picture what that would look like? When you're hurt, I hurt. When you struggle, I got your back. When you are lonely or down, I'm there. When you are, when you win and good things happen in your life, I celebrate. When you have a need and I have the resources to meet that need, there's no question. No question. You got it. No hesitation. No hesitation. Why? Because. Because we are one. And, and the worst thing that can happen to me is not to, is not to lose my stuff. It's to see a part of, of Jesus' body, somebody who I'm connected with, go without when they don't have to because he has blessed me. The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you so much that I would rather let go of everything to make sure that you have everything that you need. Right? What I need is to meet your need. And, and I am blessed far more than you are because Jesus is given to Jesus. Do you understand that? Oh, oh, it's so beautiful. And like I said, I don't know how many times I've experienced it in glimpses with my wife, with my kids. But now with a body of believers, you know where this is happening? Do you know the people who experience this? In countries where if they leave and are seen gathering together, they could lose their lives. What if we didn't need that kind of persecution to have that kind of faithfulness? What could God do with that here? Please understand, I'm not talking about doing church very different. I'm just talking about finally being church. Do you know what I'm saying? That, that you and I, even if I don't know your name, and I, and I want to, would be so knit together in Christ that I am closer to you than people I share blood with. That's what Jesus said, right? He says, your mother, your brothers, they want you. He says, you want to know who my brothers and mothers are? They're the people who hear the word of God and do it, which is come to him, listen to him. Submit to him, surrender to him. We can have that. And so, you know, it goes on. It goes on. The glory that you have given me, I give to them. Why? Why? That they may be one even as we are one. Why don't you circle that? May be one even as we are one. He just changed the game. He said, okay, you want to talk about this oneness? You want to talk about this closeness? I want them, Father. This is what I'm going to come for. This is why I came. This is why I lived. This is why I bled. This is why I died. This is why I'm going to rise, right? This is, this, is, this is what it's about, that they may be one. How? Like you, Father, and I are one. That's his dream. And I know, I'm looking at you. You're thinking, Tom, I'm not really sure I want to be that close to you. <laughs> I get you. I feel you. Because I'm not really sure I want to be that close to you. You can laugh. It's okay. But here's the thing I am sure of, that Jesus wants that. That's his dream. That's why he came. That's why he called this independent, isolated, I'm good, just you and me, Jesus, is a slap in the face to him. 
I wanted a people whose unity and love reflects my unity and love with the Father. And when people see my body still on the earth in my people, loving each other and loving people who want nothing to do with me in a way that the world has no file to put that in, that is what they need to believe. That is what they need to believe. Okay. And you say, how crazy, how I and them, you and me, that they may be perfectly one, circle it again, perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, you loved them, even as you loved me. When we do that, and this is not turning on a light switch. We didn't do it. Now we're going to do it. This is something we're going to grow into. And it's going to take longer than the series to do that, but it starts now. And when we do, I will know, and you will know, and your family will know, and your neighbor will know, and your teammates will know, and your coworkers will know, and the city will know, and the university will know that Jesus is real because we and our love and our unity in him, our oneness is going to be proof that they can't ignore. People could be breaking down our doors saying, I don't know what's going on in that church and I'm not into church, but I need what's going on between you people. I need in on that. I said, come on. There's always room for more. You're not disqualified. I'm not disqualified. It's all about him. Come on in. The love is fine, right? Okay. And it is possible. He said, it is possible to do this. The early church did it. Okay, let me take a look at this. What time do the saints play? One, one o'clock? Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. All right, the early church did this. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to wind down. We circle in the airport. We're going to land. Don't you worry. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They are in the Word. The Word is their food and their oxygen and their drink. They are, yes, and the fellowship. They are addicted to being together, right? To the breaking of bread. That's the Lord's Supper and the prayers. What does that mean? That means that they're getting the prayer calendar. They are using the prayer calendar. They are using their prayer journals. They are praying more than they're on their cell phones. They are in a nonstop conversation with Jesus Christ. Don't have to be like this all the time. I'm just moving and talking and just never hang up the phone. You know what I'm talking about? That's their life. Here we go. It gets better. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. How many people need more power and wonders and signs and breakthrough spiritually and blessings in your life and the people you care about and people being set free and healed who, who, who shouldn't be set free and healed, but God had mercy? The impossible was not only possible, it was happening. It was happening. And all who believed, get this, were together and had all things in common. Look what they were doing. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as they had need. This is crazy. Do you understand? They love each other so much that the worst thing that could happen is that you have a need and I have been blessed with the resource, and we can't put that together to, to, to make you whole as a symbol, as a, as a way that God shows his provision. 
That's the worst thing. It's not that I'm going to lose my stuff. And, and, and when you read this, if you're like me, if you're like most people, you think that the biggest obstacle to this happening is God doesn't have that many generous people. God doesn't have that many people with hearts. Yes, he does. And we got tons of them right in this room right now. I know this. We have always been blessed with people like that. Years ago, um, a Western student who found out that a member of this church, an older woman whom she did not know, needed a kidney, gave it to her. We have people today right here who, if they saw your need, would do that. That is not the biggest obstacle. You know what the biggest obstacle is? Is that you and I are not one enough that we feel comfortable letting each other see our hurts and our struggles and our needs. That is what stops this from happening. When, when, when you and I can get to the point where we can let others see us as they know we already are because this is how they are, a bundle of hope, but a bundle of struggle and, and, and brokenness and need. And when we can say, even I, look, I need prayer, okay? I'm coming up, or I'm going back, or I'm going to reach your hand. I, I'm, what stops this from happening is our pride in needing to look like we all have it together. I ain't going to be that person that somebody talks about. What's up, what's, up, what's up with them? What's up with them? What's up with them is what's up with all of us. Okay? We need to get over ourselves and say, I am standing in the need of prayer. I have a, a problem. I have a struggle. Because God has given us not just our a family of faith. To say as long as anybody has anything extra, time, money, prayer, whatever you got, we're going to put it where it's needed. And we're going to see God move in that in a way not just that stuns us, that stuns the world. Not my words, his I want a holy discontent for normal spiritual relationships. Gave to any has had me. And day by day, attending the temple together, they came to church. Okay, they came to the church services. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll get away from that. Together, breaking bread in their homes. They're sharing their food. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. This is not a drag. These are the happiest, joyfulest people. I don't even know if that's a word. It's a word this morning. Joyfulest, <laughs> most joyful people you ever met. They, there is no place they would rather be. They are in the sweet spot. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Evangelism programs are great. All that stuff. You know what they were doing? They were just being faithful. And they were loving each other and they were loving the Lord and they were being obedient to share as they and invite people into that circle, that group hug, hug, hug of God. And God took care that every single day he added to those who were in his family, who were called out. That's Jesus' dream. But as I have prayed for this, and, and this is before Christmas 
well before that um, we've been praying about this series. And I really feel, and, and, and not to bust you, that, but we all have, have drifted from this, right? Francis Chan, in his excellent book, um, Letters to the Churches, and it's on your, um, it's on your worksheet. He asks this question. He says, if you're on a deserted island and all you have is a Bible. Now, I don't know on a deserted island what's a Bible doing there, but you got one, okay? And the only thing you know about the church is what you read in Scripture. How many of you would translate that into what we are and do now? How would you get this from that? He said, you wouldn't. You, you wouldn't. It would be deeper. It would be more connected. It would be, how many churches have you belonged to in your life? Maybe glimpses of this, but so deep and so true and so glorious. That's where we're going. Chances are, all of us have drifted, right? Even if you're listening to this podcast and you go to a different church, Look, look at the book of Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches, and five of them, he says, you better repent right now because you're messing up big time, right? That's 70%. He used different words than that, but you get the idea. I'm not playing the odds that we got it right. We're going to go back to the beginning to look at those things that he always dreamed the church was about, that he gave his life for. That's what we're going to do. And I fear that you and I can make church like I make eating out at my favorite restaurant, which is Old Miner. Well, because my son-in-law's family owns it, but I love it. But here's the way that I relate to Old Miner. I go when I want and when it's convenient for me. And, you know, I seldom take notice of all the other people who are eating there when I'm eating there, frankly, because they don't impact my experience. It's about me, who I'm with, right? And whether I get the food I want, which invariably is the Caliente burger, add bacon, please, because um, it's excellent. And whether I get it done the way I want, right, and serve the way I want. And if they change that and they take that off the menu or people are mean to me or I have a bad experience or the food, I can go. Somewhere else. I can go somewhere else. But even if I don't go somewhere else, I go back to my normal life after that meal. Is that what we have made church? I go when I want, when it's convenient. The people who are there with me really don't matter to me. It matters that I'm getting the food I want the way I want, served the way I want. And if they fall down on that, I could just stop going or I'll go somewhere else or and that's only the church service. We're not talking about this being church. We're talking about this being church. That the people who are eating with you make all the difference in the world. And I'm more committed to them. We could get to that point. I just don't want to change it. But how one do we want to be? How one are we willing to let Jesus make us? This isn't radical teaching. This is just getting back to paring away all the stuff we put on it. There's a story that's told after Jesus um, 
is resurrected and goes back into heaven that the angels welcome him. It's after the, the crucifixion, his death, his resurrection, right, and his ascension. And they're doing a tunnel and the high fives and the angels are, are, are really excited and they're going, okay, Jesus, what's the plan now? What's the plan for bringing your glorious kingdom to earth? What's the plan for you uh, on earth as it is in heaven, that whole thing? Um, and Jesus stops and he points down to his small group of followers and he says, they're the plan. The church is the plan. And the angels are like, all due respect, Jesus, but they're broken and they're imperfect and they're weird. A lot of them smell like fish. Um, they're fishermen, right? They got, they're, they're going to mess this up because I'm with them. That church is the plan. It's not going to work, Jesus. And he silenced them when he said, it has to work. For I have made no other plans. And he has given all of himself, all of his spirit, all of his work for this to work. And so I'm asking you to consider and commit to two things. And if you would, 